Welcome to another episode of the Rice and Mike's podcast. I'm your host, Tung Nguyen, and today I'm joined by two very special people here today. I've got Justin from Pushes. Justin, how are you going today? I'm all right. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. We also have Sandy, who also started Pushes. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you today? Well, I've already been asked. You don't need to ask twice, but I'll say I'm good. (laughs) So, who are these people? We're going to cover two people that started something quite incredible, actually. I don't know if you guys have heard of Pushes. These guys have 20,000 followers on Instagram. And do you guys want to cover a little bit about what it is? Well, Pushes is Australia and New Zealand's largest sneaker marketplace. We, you know, help people buy and sell authentic sneakers. Uh, you know, we sell Yeezys, Jordans, Off-Whites, anything that's hyped, even TNs. Like, we're getting a huge selection of TNs now that are coming in. Um, and effectively, what we do is we, we help people you know, buy um, these sneakers. So, you know, a lot of our customers are actually people who, who purchase them off us to wear, but also people who sell them. And, you know, a lot of these people might be um, resellers, like one-off resellers that, that might, you know, line up at an Adidas store and resell them to make a bit of pocket money. Or some of these guys could, could be doing huge volumes at any one time. Yeah. Yeah. Or they just could be your um, collectors who just have everything backed up and ready to kind of just move them along to someone else. Let's start with the origin story. Everyone likes to know how we all started and how everything led to where you are now. So, which one of you want to start first? I'll let Sandy take this one. Justin and I started Pushes three to four years ago. We were in our second last year of uni. He was studying um, a Bachelor's of um, Law and Commerce and I was studying teaching. And we weren't too sure whether we wanted to go into our field. So, I was always into sneakers and Justin um, found an opportunity where we could potentially build something with sneakers and sneaker reselling. And we we're kind of just really interested in the market. And we thought, hey, let's start something and we'll start small and see where we go from there. Yeah. So, you know, what what we found was that Sandy was you know always into sneakers. She's always been buying sneakers. And I was just like, wow, why are you spending so much money um, here? Right. And you know, back then we, we made nothing. We were uni students. We were working part time jobs. And so... We were just like, you know, for me, it, it was just so, it, it was actually, you know, I wasn't really into sneakers. Like I, I appreciated them, but I never bought any for myself really. But, you know, I followed sneakers because of Sandy. And what happened was I was just like, well, if Sandy's spending all this money on sneakers, she had like, you know, 50 to 100 pairs underneath her stairs. Like, you know, you know underneath the stairs, like Harry Potter, how they uh-huh. have like a closet. <laughs> so instead of Harry, ha- having Harry, Harry Potter there, she would have like 50 to like 100 pairs at any one time underneath the stairs 50 to 100 harry potters <laughs> yeah 50 to, exactly just little ron weasley's as well um but um yeah so th- there was just so many sneakers there and i just thought hey if, if sandy's spending this much i'm sure there's other people out there like her that are, that are spending this much and how are they getting these sneakers and so i just you know i, I went and i looked into the market i, I saw you know that that there was actually a little market here where people were actually recently shoes because there's you know limited supply and then, yeah, we, we kind of took our life savings and we were just like, hey, let's just try this. We took one step at a time and and then after a, you know, three and a half years later, here we are, I guess. Yeah. So you guys started this as a couple. So do you want to talk about how you guys first met? Um, yeah, I can talk about that. Oh, she's a professional at <laughs> this one. So yeah. there's always two sides to every story, but th- this is how I believe we met. 
so we were both in our second year of uni. Um, I, he was the president of a student association and I wanted to buy tickets to go to a cruise. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm in my second year. I want to go party, have fun. And I bought tickets off him. And after that, we kind of just hit it off from there. We saw each other every single day and yeah, we just really connected. Yeah. How long have you guys been together now? Six and a half years, almost seven. Oh, wow. So you guys have started the business since like one half yeah, of your so relationship? If, if our business was a child, they would start preschool next year. That's how <laughs> yeah, we always so look at I, it. I think we started the business probably three years in. Yeah. Yeah, three, three years, years into in. our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And did you guys finish your degrees? Yeah, yeah we, we both, both finished. finished. We both promised each other and our parents that we'd finish. Yeah, because my parents thought I was going to be a job kick. And so, <laughs> yeah, and so they were just yeah, like, so you selling shoes, like in, in their heads, they thought we were like selling shoes at Kmart or something. That's, that's what I was going to lead with. Because yeah. when you tell your parents something like, you know, I'm not going to be a doctor, I'm not going to be a lawyer, I want to you know, sell shoes. And they're like, what, are you going to like flea markets and selling yeah. shoes Yeah, like they, exactly. that, that was basically what my parents yeah. were thinking. The, the concept of uh, buying and reselling shoes, they just couldn't grasp. And I think still, like my mom still doesn't get it, what we do, because she always asks me questions. She'll, she'll ask me the question, I'll answer it. And then a few months later, she'll ask me the same question again. I'm like, you yeah. didn't get and, it. And my parents time. always get that we're going to go out of business because like, who's buying $500 sneakers? <laughs> they're just like, you can buy it at Kmart for 30 bucks. And so, yeah, and, and, and I think they, they were always worried that we're going to fail. And my, my parents are always like, you know, you can always move back in. Like, don't worry about it. You know, if, if anything happens, like, it don't, you don't have to be ashamed. Like, you know, it's okay. Everyone fails. And yeah. And, uh, they're really putting you down. Yeah. Oh, my, I think, well, my parents anyway, like, I, I think they didn't believe me until I, like, they, like, even when um, I told them when I was in high school, I was like, actually, I want to get into law school. And they're like, you get into law school? Pff, like. Because they saw me playing Dota every day. They're like, when do you even like study? Like, ha- yeah. like, how could you get into law school? Like, they thought I was crazy. My parents still think I'm crazy. I remember like, say, you know, with Sandy, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, like when I first started dating, I'm like, oh, I'm going to marry her. Like, she's actually, they're like, you're 21. What do you know about marriage? Like, so I think, yeah, I think we, we like, just got to keep proving them wrong. I yeah. Think. Like for me, like I always <laughs> have to keep proving them wrong. Then afterwards, like, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Wait, so you did, you studied law. Yeah. And... Are you using that degree at the moment? Um, not really. Um, I think the degree helps you learn how to critically think. I think really that's it. And there's, there's a couple of skills that you kind of learn. But I, I don't know. I think that's like any uni degree. Like I think you, you learn kind of the foundations and fundamentals, but you don't really you don't really apply it, right? Like in, in any job, like I'm sure 90% of my mates who I talk to, they tell me that you know their degree was like good to get them the job. But actually, when you're in the job, you're learning things that are completely different, right? So hmm. I think I think that happens to everyone, and that's even with me. Um, so I, like, I'm glad I did it, but I don't think that it's it's helped other than you know helping me critically think and maybe signposting. Like people look at me and they don't think that I'm dumb. Like <laughs> that's that's really that that really helps. Like I, I think when you talk to someone and you tell them you did a law degree, they're like, oh okay, so he's not a complete dumbass. Because I, I you know I'm sure people look at me and they think I'm pretty dopey and I'm just a bit slow. Like. <laughs> Or yeah. your first impression thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. People are usually surprised as well. They're like, what the hell, right? But yeah. 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 So Sandy, you did business, right? No, I studied teaching. So teaching. Yeah, so it's secondary or secondary. Yeah. So I was um, majoring in English and minoring in drama. And was it useful? Um yeah, I, I think so. I think my teaching degree taught me to kind of, you know, how to plan for things, how to speak with people, how to like work with people and stuff like that because you're in a classroom and I do believe that 
everyone, even no matter kid or like 30, 40, everyone still learns the same. And um, yeah, it's kind of taught me that. But not only that, I think the jobs, the random odd jobs Justin and I picked up throughout uni trying to just kind of get through and um, pay Opal cards and buy lunch. I think that's kind of helped us along the way in building our business as well. Do you guys do this full time now? Yeah. 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 We both yeah. in it full time in for the long haul. So Pretty if, much. if my parents are right and we do fail, then we, we're kind of fucked eh? Yeah. I think we do more than full time. When we first started off, we were just working around the clock, whether it be uni, a full time job, a part time job, a few part time jobs. But now we've, I'm pretty much there um, Monday to Friday from yeah, eight till like eight o'clock at night and stuff, just working through. Yeah, so I'd say I'm pretty much full-time. Justin would be about the same. Yeah. So previously outside of the podcast, Justin, you were telling me that you had uh, meetings going on throughout the week. Like what would that involve? Um, so it depends. It could be anything. It could be meetings with like if we have partnerships that are coming like on or if there are collabs that we kind of do or even meetings in terms of like we have like investors now as well in the business and you know giving them updates and telling them hey like we haven't totally lost everything like just making sure that you know they they, they know that we, we we have things we're we're handling things yeah so i think they i think that's that's basically what usually meetings would involve like day to day you know there's always something on like we might be doing you know a special deal with like another company like recently we did like a couple of ebay deals so with ebay to push like a, a lot of some of the sneakers through yeah there's there's always emails like uh, you know mine not as bad but i know sandy's one like every hour she probably gets like about like 100 emails i'm guessing what from, close to from that whom? customers um so when i say customers i mean buyers sellers yeah. marketing opportunities um just everyone and i think um yeah as we grow the inquiries just keep growing with it yeah like our like yeah like both our emails like her, hers more than mine but yeah, yeah there's heaps like and this is, I, I guess this is why sometimes I'm slow to reply to you, Tom, but no, right. like, yeah, like our, our inbox just gets flooded, like yeah. whenever we go through. So it's, yeah. And then it's just sometimes, you know, these, these emails kind of get, there's like a action that needs to be taken and it's usually like, Hey, do you want to like have a quick call to discuss about the email, blah, blah, blah. And it, so our day gets filled pretty quickly, mm. um, which is why like, yeah, which is why we do work around the clock. I'd say like our daily routine anyway, like. Sandy wakes up earlier than I do, but I'll probably wake up at about like 8.39 and then I get started at work maybe 10 and then we work all the way to maybe like 11 usually. Yeah, yeah. but we try to um, cut back just to deliver more um, work-life balance. <laughs> yeah, but kind of. you know, but, but I guess the great thing about running your own business as well is that like, you know, like if Christine calls me like during the day or whatever, or messages me during the day, I can reply. Like it's not like Christine giving context is our friend that's sitting over here. Um, yeah, <laughs> she's uh, on the mic. Yeah, she's spectating. But yeah, like, you know, like if sending me a message, I could reply. Like, it's not like a nine to five job where you have to kind of be clocking on at like a certain time and clocking off and not doing anything else. So I think it's great that our lives, we get to kind of interweave our personal life and our professional life into it. And so I think our, our, our the way we live our lives is, is quite different to a lot of people we know just because we have that flexibility. But the flexibility doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we don't work hard. Like it means that we end up dragging our day along. So instead of working, you know, let's say instead of working ten hours, like you know, let, let's say nine to like six p.m. Like most people, we might work fifteen hours, but then we have like an hour, like after two hours break or an hour break here or about break. So then you're working ten hours across like fifteen twenty hours, hmm. um, depending on the day. So I disagree. Like I don't think we get two hour or one hour breaks at all. But, you know, let's say like 10 minutes here 
and then like after like an hour and a half, <laughs> another ten minutes, etc. You know what I'm saying? I, Justin and I have different days though. So yeah. him and I, because we split our roles and we're accountable for different things. Yeah. Um, yeah, we kind of just have different days. Yeah, so role. like I can take at like say one p.m. I can take like a an hour and a half gym break. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm I'm lucky to be able to have the opportunity, but then it just means I have to make up for it. Like later on that night. So Okay, well yeah. let's put a bit more context on the company. Yep. So is it just you two working? Um like- so there's four of us now. So it's two of us full time. We have two other people now part time. And we have a couple of contractors that help us like pick it back whenever we need. Um, oh wow. Yeah, so it's Yeah, and then we've just got contractors who do other things for us, whether it be like social media marketing. Um or when we if we ever run events or anything like that as well. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it, like I, I think our businesses run a bit different. Like we don't have a lot of like I think for for us it's it's really important to run things lean. Like there's no point having full time staff that might sit around and, and not do much when with us it's it's on demand. So whenever there's a need for it, then we, we you know, we get them on for you know, say say there's a week where it's extra busy, we might be like, Hey, we'll pay you for ten hours to help us pack, right? Rather than saying like hey, like have full time and then one week it might be empty and one week it might not be and it just becomes inefficient that way. So that, that's how we like to kind of run our business. So you have a warehouse? Yeah, yeah, we have there? a warehouse. Yeah. Ah, because when I was doing research, I still have that image of that article. I think it was from SBS. Mm. So that, that was pretty crazy when I found out you guys would feature on GQ and also the financial review. Yeah, so... And I have that image of you guys in your house with the, the boxes. Oh, that was in the like... Background. I don't know how long ago that was. That was Three years ago? Is that when we were in Surrey Hills? Yeah, that was that was our first so little was office. So, was that the... Um, are you referring to the SBS one? Yeah, I think it was yeah, a video. Yeah. So, that's literally when we first started. We were in, like, I wouldn't say a room bigger than what we're sitting in now. Maybe just a tad bigger. So, so for context... Probably like, like 15 square meters, would you say? Is that 15? No, no, no. no. It would be... It would be like 45 square meters? 45. Like a bedroom. Like okay. a standard bedroom where you can put a bed, a TV, and um, maybe a few knickknacks. That's it. Yeah. That's how big we were. Yeah, and that, that was really small, but yeah, yeah, we moved probably a year after that, we grew a bit more and then we moved into our current place now in Ultimo, which is probably about like a lot bigger than that as well yeah, now. Yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah it's about then, 5X. Yeah, and then now we're actually looking to move into a, a way bigger place because yeah, the place is just getting too too full of sneakers. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so you guys still hold stock in the house? No, no. So it's like a, it's, a, it's hard to explain to people. It's like a, it's like a warehouse slash like loft. It's not like a standard yeah, it's, it's a commercial suite. It's a commercial suite with yeah. with a massive like open space where yeah, you, we pretty plan. much just put we have racks. shelving. Yeah, yeah, we just have racks in. Oh, yeah. Okay, and then we just fill it up. Yeah. So when did you guys sort of had that feeling where you went like after you started the business and you just went oh like it's actually kicking off? I don't think we wanted to give up. I think we. Yeah. Um, it, I think we started off with just thirty pairs of shoes when we first started and we just kept going i think yeah like like for us yeah. it was like looking back like 30 is just like nothing right like yeah looking back like yeah and and we just you know one week we just had 30 next week we had 35 next week we had 40 next week we had you know yeah. like 50 and it just kept kind of growing exponentially yeah. I, I think like there wasn't a moment where we were like hey this is really going we were always like look we believe in this we believe there's a market and just let our efforts compound and we'll see where we go it was never like oh this is really going this is really going well, well just like no like just trust the process and we'll just keep doing it yeah so i'm not much of a sneakerhead, so i'm kind of curious on how you guys initially put the business out there like did you guys put on like 
underground society or something that facebook group? um not not really like i think the way we started was we it was quite organic like it's just friends of friends and then we we well i we, guess we had like a, a wait list that we had as well so we, we we kind of put it out there that we said hey we're launching this thing like you know like put your email down if you're interested and we got about like 2000 and something people that were interested yeah, and um, like you said, like we did, you know, we did sit at where all the sneakerheads are sitting. Like we did use um, Facebook Marketplace, the Facebook groups and stuff like that, just to um, learn more about the um, subculture. Yeah, and like we um, didn't really advertise, but it was more like, hey, like we learned more about who the users were, what they liked. Yeah. Um, and we tried to offer that. We pretty much just sat in the behind. Like we would pretty much wallflowers in those groups just to see what the behaviours were like. And we just learned from there and just kind of saw what the pain points were for these sellers and then just pretty much just adopted it into our platform. So you guys are essentially just the, the middleman in selling shoes? Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah. So the way we, we would describe it is we're similar to like an eBay for sneakers, but the value add that we have is that we authenticate the sneakers as well. To make sure that, that, that they are authentic because, you know, people are spending a lot. Um, yeah, and for um, that's for our buyer side and for our seller side, it's a safe and secure platform where they can... We've got sellers who send in literally hundreds to us at a time and it's pretty much just you don't have to deal with a hundred different people. You can yeah. just set, forget, and money just gets paid into your account as soon as they sell. Oh, well, not as soon as they sell, but yeah. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of these guys, if they set up an eBay store... There could be scammers, there could be lowballers, it could be, or even if you're selling on like a Facebook group, right? Mm. Imagine you have a hundred pairs, like you'd be. It, it's quite exhausting. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it would be like, so exhausting, like sitting there, like, hey, like negotiating, like say, say the Yeezys is like five hundred bucks, and you get like a guy, hey man, will you do it for three hundred, man? Like, yeah. come on, like three hundred, pick up tomorrow. I'll come to your oh, house classic, right now. Yeah, the classic lowball, right? Yeah. And imagine dealing with a hundred of those guys a week. Like uh, as a seller, you you so hate tiring. it exactly. So yeah. so they just send it to us, and they send and forget, and money just gets paid into account once they sell. So a Seems lot of the good. sellers just just love using us because of that. Yeah. So with shoes, like, do people even buy these to wear anymore? Like, are oh, they are they just stay yeah. fashion? Oh, you'd, you'd be surprised how many sandies there are out there that love to Excuse flex their sneakers. Excuse me, but <laughs> yes, like a lot of people chasing shoes that are in the thousands. Like, hey, I've always wanted this. My birthday's coming up. Can you get me a pair? Sure, why not? Yeah, and yeah. we kind of, um, if we don't have it on our website, we source them or we find um, a way to just kind of get them, get it to them. And what makes them so special? Just because they're limited? Yeah, so for example, it, it could be the story of the sneaker that, that makes it so valuable. So an example is the Jordan 1 band. Uh, Michael Jordan was, was fined by the NBA. It was about like $5,000 every game um, because the colors of the sneaker didn't fit with the, the league's like restrictions. And then what happened was Nike was like, hey, like this is great advertising for us. We'll, we'll pay the fine every time you wear it. So he just kept wearing it and just kept copying the fine, right? It's like a guy with a luxury like a car yeah, and then like park, yeah, parking in like, you know, no stopping zone yeah, and just yeah. getting fined, right? He doesn't care. Um, so I, I, it was the same reason. And I think, you know, the mythos of, of that sneaker made it you know, valuable. And now everyone kind of wants that sneaker to just keep a part of history. So it could be the story. It could be... Could be the people they follow, like um, Kanye West. Um, yeah, I've could heard be, of those. Yeah, it could be a lot of influencer marketing, a lot of the younger girls following Kylie Jenner, like Bella Hadid, or maybe a shoe just might resonate. Like It, it just might bring um, a nostalgic feeling. Like, for example, my first pair of 
Jordans that I ever bought just released two weeks ago. I'm like, hey, I should get another pair because the pair I bought seven years ago might crumble soon. So I'm like, oh, I might get another one. Yeah, it could be the movie. So like the Spider-Man um, into the multi the multiverse movie. Yeah, they did a collab yeah. as well. With yeah, that. and like one of my favorite sneakers that I that, that I actually have is is the Jordan Eleven Space Jams, and that was when the um, Michael Jordan. I don't know if you guys remember the Space Jam movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the shoes are in there. So I remember oh. watching that movie when I was like four or five, and always liked those sneakers. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it, it could be a, like a variety of factors, I think. Yeah, or it just looks like lit. <laughs> yeah, like that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Is there just like a short supply? Like, why does there need to be a market for this to be a middleman? Yeah, there, there is definitely. Um, it always depends on supply demand. There is always a shortage in supply, and there's always a high demand. Like, for example, um, the Yeezy breads that just came out. They released like um, how much? Half a million within um, worldwide. I think Australia got a couple thousand, but think about the population who are into Yeezys in Australia. Like mm. it's not, it's never going to cut it. Yeah. yeah if, if like our Instagram has like 22 grand followers alone and we're just one resale platform, like you can imagine that if there's only like 5,000 pairs released, straight, like, you know, 75% of those people aren't going to get a pair. Yeah. So, yeah. So it, it's always going to be like that. Yeah, definitely. Aren't they going to make more? <laughs> no, they, they might do a retro and that's what retros are. Retros, um, for context is 1985 the pair of um, Air Jordan 1 band Justin was referring to they um, release it every couple of years and um, they call it a retro but the thing is they might have um, different like different materials and stuff and all sneakerheads know oh no this um, toe box is not as buttery oh it's not tumbled leather it's not the same as you know 1985 or something like that it's yeah, yeah. So, so even if they re-release it it might be slightly yeah, different it just might be variations like the smallest thing but you know what all sneakerheads know do retro releases tend to be cheaper than the original? No, it's usually the same retail it's, price or usually it, it might yeah. increase in price like due, due to inflation. inflation. So you know how like 10 years ago, she might be 200, it might go to like 220, 250 or something, depending on what the retail price is and, and if they increase it. All right, going back to your previous point, when you said you checked the authenticity of the shoe, is that something that you two guys do individually? Yep, so we do that all in-house and we also have um, people who look at it if we need assistance as well. But yeah, pretty much we do it all. And how do you even figure out, like, what do you even look for? So when we are authenticating sneakers, you look for a few things. Well, and you can't just kind of narrow it down to one main thing because some um, manufacturers might get it right in some things, like for example, a size tag, but they might um, screw up with another thing like the toe box or something like that so when we do authenticate you kind of have to look at everything from the sole of the shoe to um, the weight stitch to how size tags look to the box to the labels um, pretty much everything the laces and, um, yeah the laces even the smell of the sneaker the smell like, of the shoe you'd be surprised that certain factories produce certain smells and you know if you if there's a fake that does come in it, it smells completely different. Like whether it's the glue that they use, you know how super glue has like a certain smell and then like the glue that the, the manufacturers use actually have a certain distinct smell as well. Like it's it's like, a, like I'm sure you guys, you guys have bought a shoe from Nike or whatever and you have that new shoe smell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a specific smell depending on the specific sneakers as well. It, it's quite distinct and I think once you've done this as long as we have and, and with our team as well, like you start to pick it up and... When, when you have certain shoes that come in, you start to then build up like a repository of like all this information 
that we might keep on like a Google Doc and then you, you start to then know what to look for. Mm. Yeah, and I think because each release we get like up to hundreds of them so you can really see the differences. So is there a certain grade to the quality of shoes? Like, you know, Pokemon cards have like grade oh, numbers? Because not, not really because we sell all brand new sneakers. So the grade, that it, it's not like it, it's like used or, you know, like if we did do that, then, then maybe we would. But everything we take is brand new, yeah. so nothing worn at all. Yeah, so we wouldn't have grades. I know a lot of other like sneaker stores, they might sell used sneakers and they might grade it like A, B, C, whatever, depending on how new or how used it is. But I think a lot of our customers that we find anyway like to buy new sneakers. And so we just kept it there. Yeah. How many different pairs of shoes do you guys have? Oh, on our website, how many would you say is on, on our website? Well, personally. Or personally. At the moment. I have a lot of shoes, but I just have a, sh- a strong rotation of just 10 to 15 pairs, I would say. So yeah. I don't wear all the other ones. I've actually started to um, minimize everything and just declutter. So all the shoes that I've bought when I was younger, um, I started actually just giving away and just keeping the ones that I actually do wear. Yeah, whereas me, like, I like to have the kind of statement pairs or pairs that I really like. I'm not like Sandy where I don't have like 50 pairs of, oh, like she impulse buys a lot. I don't have 50 pairs anymore. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> but, but yeah, she impulse buys a lot. And she, she likes it and she'll buy it. But for me, it's like I kind of think about it a long time. I'm like I must I have to really like it to get it. So I probably have about like eight to ten now yeah. um, that I really keep. Yeah. But it's funny, like you say 50 to 100 a lot, but we know people who have shoes in the hundreds. Yeah, I'd like, say I know people who have. Yeah, yeah, like to me, 50 to 100 as a sneakerhead, that's not much at all. Like hundreds. How do you have space for all that? Oh, they, I rent out a Kennards, they store it at their mum's, their garage. Like I've heard all sorts of stories. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I, I actually think like, yeah, I only have eight or t- eight to ten, so it's not even that much, to be fair. I feel like your customers would have expected differently. Yeah, like I think they would, like, but yeah, th- like the sh- pairs that I have, they're they're usually, I don't know, they're usually like sentimental to me, or or they mean something to me. So, I, like, there's no point. I don't have enough feet to wear like a hundred pairs, right? Like, <laughs> like oh, how like how many how many days can you actually wear that many pairs? So for me, I think it's a bit different. And I do have a personal collection that I don't wear and that would be in like the 50s that like I own, but I don't wear and I, I, I intend to resell them like later on. So that's different. But the ones that I wear, I'd say, yeah, eight to 10 pairs. What were the challenges when you first started the whole company? <laughs> what, what wasn't a challenge? <laughs> um, I think the fact that we were younger, um, we were uni students. So it was always like, fighting on exams and placements and um stuff like that um i think in terms of like growing the business the number one thing that i think was the hardest to build was trust i would say would you agree justin yeah i guess so yeah yeah like building trust within um the community not only like the Mm. sneaker community but everything because like when you think of buying and reselling things you always think about like being scammed or because you're also you're dealing with other people's stock and their money as well. Um, mm. Because we, our system, we actually have our sellers send their stuff into us to authenticate before we even list it online. And um, for someone to send in a hundred pairs to another state, because we've got sellers all over Australia, we've got sellers in Tassie and stuff as well. Sellers all over the world. Yeah. yeah. And like oh, that- interstate. I mean, sorry, internationally. Yeah. yeah we yeah, we yeah. have a lot and of sellers that yeah, are from got- Europe, from Asia, yeah, and to kind of keep hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stock in someone that is in another country, 
it, it takes a lot to build. So that that's what I mean by trust was probably the um, biggest challenge. But yeah, and a lot of I, I know a lot of like buyers as well, right? Like they're buying a five hundred dollar pair on your website, and they're like, "Is this website legit?" Right? Like that's mm, one of the biggest yeah. things. That, and I think now you know three and a half years in, I think we've we've slowly been able to build that to, to have people trust us, right? And now that most people don't really think when they buy from us in, in terms of like, they don't have to second guess the, the, the trust and the legitimacy. They just kind of trust us now. And they, you know, when they want to pair, they just go on and they just buy. So I think that that's really helped. So th- yeah, I, I yeah. think that was one of the biggest challenges. And the thing is with trust, you can't kind of just force it and do it as quickly as possible. It's something that takes time and building. I can't imagine like another player coming into the market and, you know, even if they spend like millions of dollars to build up, it, it's hard to build that trust, especially because, I think anyway, like it's not about the money or it's not about any of that. It's it's more about knowing that we have the customer's best interests like on, on our top of mind and that, you know, we treat our sellers well, we treat our buyers well. You know, Sandy goes above and beyond. Sometimes I tell her, hey, like you got to scale it back. Sandy kind of thinks of the business as her baby. And so she treats the customers like above and beyond like what they kind of pay for. Like, you know, she'll answer a phone call at like 10 p.m. at night and they want to drop off shoes and she'll be like, yeah, I'll do it. When I know that, you know, like any other store, like a footlocker, right? Like an employee is not going to wait back at 10 p.m. and then take a call that, at that time to, you know, footlocker is great. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not um, throwing any shade at footlocker, but I'm saying like a standard store isn't going to do that. Mm. Whereas I think like we go above and beyond. And I think that's something that, you know, you, if, I don't think money can buy, like unless you have like an, an owner's mindset of the business, like that's something that money really can't buy. I think that's a hard part not personal experience, but from what I'm gathering, as like an entrepreneur, you know, no one really holds yourself accountable apart from yourself. So hearing about you guys, you know, working like 15 hour days, are there times where you just kind of feel burnt out and you just want to scale that down and hire oh, more bu- people? I'm sure we feel... But burnt out is the norm. That's, yeah. That's yeah. what we've... Like, that's I, what we've I don't remember a time where we weren't burnt out, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. like when I felt like a normal person where I can just chill. And I think this is why... um. We, we just, yeah, we, we just operate differently. I think we, the way we are, like we're very intense and I think a lot of our friends kind of see that. Like we're very, I guess. It's literally like as cliche as it sounds, work hard, play hard. Like we work hard and we play fucking harder. Yeah, like we're very, we're very intense, but it's like, I don't know, like a, a lot of our friends, like they, 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 they really raise a lot of like concern about us. Like, why do you work so hard? Or, you know, hey, can you come out to dinners? And sometimes we're like, we, we, we can't, we're busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't really understand that. I think everyone has their own path and I think every, like each path is fine. But I think if say, for example, you're, you're doing a standard, you know, nine to five and after like a Thursday night and you have a dinner and at like say six and you invite us and we might actually not be able to come right and you know we're busy and, and i feel like you know our good friends understand like our good friends have always been really understanding yes yeah, they say for example if we don't go and you know they're like oh you know you don't have to make time for us anymore blah blah, blah. and oh, yeah. we actually feel really bad like because we, we do value our friends but it's just we we actually just can't and i think that makes it really hard as well yeah be, because of so, sometimes things are just on that we only we can handle right um but like i said previously it could be the opposite. Like during the day, like on a Monday, like at 12, I might be like free and I'll be like, hey, let's go get a coffee or something because we have that time. But sometimes when work just comes up, it comes up mm. and no one else can do it, right? And because, you, know, you know, we run the business and even though we have employees, like we, we're not going to expect our employees to be 
to be back at 10 p.m. to, to do some yeah, work for yeah. us, right? Like it's it's that's just not fair. And so yeah, it, I think it is hard for people to understand if they're not in our position. And how do you guys balance that with like your regular life? Like, do you guys have time to go on holiday? Like, how do you? Oh, we haven't been on a holiday in Lord knows how long. No, I think we take we've taken probably one weekend off to Melbourne or two, but then we were running like a um, event in Melbourne. That's why, but we took it as time off. But I think what's good is we can take random days off where we want as well from time to time. But other than that, like we really do enjoy working. And I don't mind working and not going on holiday. So um, there's nothing that we need to escape from work or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, exactly. Like, I think, don't, don't get us wrong, like, we are burnt out and we do work a lot, but it's like, we enjoy it. And it, I guess it's similar to say, like, you know, say if, if you're an artist, right? You enjoy you know your work and you enjoy doing it. And you don't really need a holiday in that, in that sense. Like, for, for, for me anyway, like, I find that, you know, if, if I'm wor- working hard and, yeah, sometimes I need a break, but a two-week holiday would bore me because, like, I enjoy the work. Like, to me, it's not like a job that I hate, right? So I, I'm, I'm very blessed at the fact that it's not something that I hate. So, yeah, like Sandy said, like, it's not something I need to escape from. So I, I don't think we need a holiday per se, but I think we do need breaks here and there. Like, sometimes Sandy might work seven days straight, right? And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I, I think we need a day off and we can take that when it's a bit more quiet. But yeah, I think we do need more days off, but I think a holiday is not, not something that I need anyway. That's what I'm thinking when you, you guys mention like you get hundreds of emails every day. And if you guys take like even just two weeks to go overseas or something, I feel like you just won't be able to catch up mm, on all that. No, I don't think so. I think because especially our presence is all online, everyone expects you to be on 24-7. And because you can buy 24-7, they want their goods shipped, no matter if it's Christmas, New Year's, public Mm. holiday, everything still needs to go out as normal as well and everything needs to be operating. Are you guys like do the packaging as well? Yeah, so um, yeah, we still manage like all the orders and stuff like that, whether if it's not packaging or stuff, we still need to kind of manage all the whatever because the thing is when it's an order it's not a simple okay an order's made and it ships out there's always different things that might come along in the customer journey and stuff like that that we need to um solve for before it goes out so you guys started this business as a couple if you guys have a disagreement with how you want to go with the company how do you guys deal with that uh we have a huge fight first no we, we justin and i always open communication no matter what the only challenge with that is sometimes we bring baggage in from our relationship into the business. For example, oh, no. I'll cut him off. But Justin will be like, you cut me off when we were with blah, blah, blah in a social context. I'm like, this is different. Yeah, no. Nah. Okay, so <laughs> I actually I actually categorize a lot of our um, disagreements. Usually the business, we actually don't really disagree. Like the way we see the business is usually aligned and we trust each other for for each other's roles. So I think we actually don't, I don't remember a time where we actually had a a business disagreement, right? But yeah, like Sandy said, it's like, usually it's like traits that, well, I find that we might not like from each other. And then it kind of like, it rubs us the wrong way. And then it kind of aggregates something that's like really stupid. So like, for example, like Sandy might be like mean to me, right? And I'm particularly like sensitive that day. 
And so I just start like <laughs> picking fights with her and be like, hey, stop being so mean. Like you're being, you know, really mean and I don't like it, blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, how? How am I being mean? Like blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, so that... Like, it, I, it's all really petty stuff. Yeah, it's all really petty stuff. I think when it comes to big picture and actual decision making, we're always aligned because we always know um, we have the business's interest best at heart. And yeah. because like I said before, like we're both accountable for different things we both have different roles so i think it's we trust each other just like in our relationship that because justin knows more about what's happening in one particular part in the business that he has he can make the best and informed decision on that going forward yeah and and you know usually especially how i run things as well like usually it's like i let everyone make the decision because you you wouldn't put someone in that role if you didn't trust them that they could do the job well right and so i usually let them and Unless it's like a really critical decision, like you let them make it. Because like most of the time, the people who work with you are more likely smarter than you in certain areas. And this is where you hire them, right? Like let's say, for example, your accountant. Most of the time, your accountant should know more about accounting than you do. Because if they don't, that would be a bit of an issue. Then why don't you just do the accounting yourself, right? So for me, it's like, you know, same as if, you know, your car, right? Like you go to a mechanic to service your car because the mechanic should know cars more than you. If, if they don't, then there's an issue. So for me, like if if I, I've i delegated responsibility for a certain task or a certain area of business, generally speaking, they should know more than I do and they should be able to explain the decisions to me and, and, and let me know that, hey, this is why they're doing this. And 99% of the time, I should agree with them because they, they have the expertise. And usually if I don't disagree with them, it's because... I might have like a different perspective based on what I know in another area of the business. Let's say, for example, marketing might want to do this, but I might disagree and be like, hey, you can't do this because, for example, you know, sales wants this. And so disagreements aren't based on what's right because usually a person's view on how they do things is actually right, but it's just that they might lack perspective from another part of the business that they see. And so that's where I come in. But usually, like I'd say that, yeah, like I don't think that I know more than them. So generally, like I trust them to make decisions. So I, like especially with Sandy's role, like she manages half of the business. I manage half of the business, right? And so Sandy's half, I trust that she knows more than me about that half. Or I should, if, if I was the best person for the job, I should be doing it, not her. I mean, and if there are disagreements, which they do, it might not necessarily be based on our roles. It might just be, okay, where should we move for our next warehouse? We are always constantly challenging each other and um, not just him and I because we own the business, but even the people who work with us, like we invite people to challenge us because I think it just keeps you on your toes and keeps things interesting all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So has there been a big rise since you guys started your business? Like is there a lot of different resellers now, a lot of middlemen? Yeah, so I I think um, there's a lot of like people who, who are doing similar but not the same. Like I think... In Australia and New Zealand, we're probably the only ones that are doing the same, the, the model that we're doing, where, you know, we really help resellers and in bulk, etc. Like, there's a lot of people who might buy their own stock and sell it, so they're not really middlemen. There's a lot of people who might, you know, do similar stuff to us, but they might sell apparel and stuff as well, stuff like that. But for us, like, we're the only ones in Australia and New Zealand that specializes in sneakers, and we're probably one of the biggest players now. There's a lot of international players that are doing what we do. But in Australia and New Zealand, we're, we're probably the biggest now. How old are you guys now? I'm 26. And, and I'm 25. And you guys started this like three years ago? Right? Yeah, three and a half years ago. So you guys were like probably pretty 20, early 20s. 22? Yeah. 22, yeah. I'd 22, say 21, yeah. 22, yeah. anything. 
Yeah. I mean, at that age, it's a huge, huge commitment to be like starting something as big as this, you know, putting all your money into it. Yeah. We believe because we're young, we have the energy. Why not start now just so we can have an easier life um, later on? And just work towards an earlier retirement. And I think, I think at a young age, you have nothing to lose, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have kids. We don't have a mortgage. We don't have anything like that. So it was, it was really easy, right? And the way we thought about it, it's like, yeah, okay, we lose it, but it's like a uni degree, right? And it's like we would have learned something from it. Let's say, for example, people take like 10K holidays or whatever all the time, right? Mm. For us, it was just maybe a couple of holidays, but it was an experience that we, we thought, well, back then, our thinking was anyway, that we thought we could have learned from, even if it failed. And so... You know, people spend 10 grand on a holiday for two weeks. Whereas this was a learning that we thought, okay, if we only last a year, we would have learned a whole year worth of like business skills that we could take with us for the rest of our lives. So for us, it was quite a no-brainer to, to do that, to be honest with you. And I think a lot of people, if, if they just thought about it that way, that, yeah, it's it, it could be like the cost of a car, but this is an education and this is skills that you really can't learn in uni because the stakes aren't, you know, you're not really putting anything at stake, right? You're playing, like, I think in uni, like, you do learn useful things. And this is why earlier I said, I think it's good to go to uni. But it's like you're playing practice in a game, right? You're, you're, you're not really losing anything. But when you're playing, like, poker, but you're actually losing money, the game dynamic becomes really different and you start to really learn when, when there's money on the line. So I think that, that, I think, was a good decision for us based on that. But knowing how hard running a business is now, I don't know if I, I probably would do it again, but... I'd be a lot more cautious and a lot more, I guess, measured now if I if I was just start a business today from everything we've learned the past three and a half years. Would you guys do anything differently? No, I don't think so because everything was just a learning curve from getting it off the ground. I don't think we would have done anything differently from the beginning. Yeah, we probably are smarter now to maybe avoid pitfalls and avoid like, things that maybe could have wasted our time or whatever. I think we had to go and do it to yeah, learn. to, to learn know why better. it yeah. wastes your time and then to do it. Because, you know, people yeah. can tell you that you're know, doing X is bad because of Y, but until you do it and you lose money doing it, you don't really... Yeah, you, you don't really know. You don't really learn, right? Well, we're very open in what we do to grow our business. And a lot of people are like, oh, I just get that people were going to copy your idea or whatever. But it's like, it, I think, you know, not saying that I'm LeBron, but like you can watch how LeBron plays, but it doesn't mean you're going to be LeBron when you step on the court, right? And so I think it's the same as this. Like, I think you have to do it and go through the hard yards and actually make all the mistakes so that you can then end up doing things right. And it's it's putting in the time. That's the thing that helps you learn and actually helps you become better, right? If people just tell you, hey, you just got to do X, Y, Z, you're not necessarily going to be good at it. And everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? So it's, it's I, I think me now telling like younger Sandy and I, hey, this is what you need to do. I don't think I would have listened. My younger self would have listened, number, number <laughs> one, but I also don't think I would have got it. So I still think that like, yeah, we had to go through what we did in order to get to where we are. Do you guys have any advice for possible future entrepreneurs that might be thinking of starting their own business? I don't, I don't know what I would give them. Like, uh, I actually don't know. I feel like... I... Okay, well, okay. what advice would you give me? And I'll think of advice I'll give you. What advice would you give to yourself when you first started, if you I, could now? I would say for you anyway, like I'd say you need to be more confident in yourself because I think when we first started, you were a bit yeah. like, oh, I don't That's know, true. like you had a lot of like imposter syndrome. Like I did. I did. I, I, I think I still suffer from a lot of um, like, imposter yeah. syndrome and yeah, I'm not confident in myself. I think I just don't love or believe in myself as much as I want to. And I think that's, I don't know if it's comes from the past or like 
just the way I see myself or not enough, like, you know, self-love or just time to myself. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree that that's something, um, yeah, definitely. So I think generally maybe just believing yourself a bit more and if yeah. like, trust if you, process. Yeah, yeah, if you, if you believe in like your idea or, and it doesn't even have to be a great idea. Like, let's be honest, like reselling sneakers isn't like a crazy, like it's not rocket science, right? Like mm. it's not, it's not an idea that's like, wow, like I can't believe a genius. For you to do that. Like this is not, I, I'm the first one to say that this is not a, this is not a complex idea, right? Like it's been done before in like different areas and we just kind of like saw what was done and maybe improved it by a bit. But it wasn't something that that's like crap. Like this guy invented Tesla. You know what I mean? Like it's not. I think I know we we know ourselves enough to know that that we didn't do anything that crazy, right? But I think it's just if you do kind of have an idea or if you do like, enjoy something, just do it. And like, what do you have to lose, really? Like, you know what? I know what I'm going to give to Justin. Yeah. Don't sweat the small stuff. So a lot of the times, I think we, especially when we first started we wanted to get everything perfect. But I think sometimes when you try to always make everything perfect, um, it takes a lot of time. You kind of hold yourself back from, um, you know, bringing something great out to the world. Like imagine Justin and I spent like a couple of days just kind of working on a logo and a website and we were never happy. We wouldn't have gotten so far as we are now to go on. I mean, and sometimes yeah. just this really, really small thing stressed us out and kept us out, out at night, up at night. But, um, you know, when we look back like three years later, like we could have just kept moving and that wouldn't have been something that could have um, ruined us or kept us back or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a lot of, um, yeah, not spending the small stuff, but also realizing like not to take it too seriously. Like, especially now, like I've learned to just not take life too seriously. Like just what's the worst that can happen, right? Like we live in a pretty lucky country. Like, you know, you're not going to starve. Like you can always go and you know, Centrelink or something, like, it's, what's, what's really the worst that can happen, like, you know, we, we're not living in a third world country, or we're not, you know, so, I think, if you fail, and you put it all in, and you lose all your money, like, just start again, like, what's the, especially at our age, anyway, like, I think when you're 30, and you have kids, and they, they, you have different responsibilities, and it's different, but when you're in, you know, anywhere from, like, let's say, 18 to, like, 27, 28, you don't really have to get your life together yet, so, like, most of us, end up wasting time like doing stupid stuff anyway right so it's it's like i don't know like just kind of do it and 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 don't be afraid yeah just don't be afraid right yeah but also i i think now now that i'm thinking about it, there's like a lot of advice i can give like not you know like maybe like seek out people who might know more than you and just asking for advice like i think that works out really well because they i'm sure they have things that you haven't thought of and you know and even if they can't help you specifically in your problem they might point you to a certain direction or point you to someone who does know right so i think being open to your idea like i really don't like people who like who like well not that i don't like them but like i just don't like the idea of people who when they're starting something new they're like oh don't tell anyone or like oh i can't tell you because i actually think if you tell people it's actually more helpful because you start to draw people or you start to attract people who might be able to help you right and like i said like i don't think people are always scared that people copy their idea but execution is everything right and i don't think that someone copying you isn't necessarily going to mean that they beat you and if if someone copies you and they beat you then they deserved it right like for, for me it's like it's all about execution and it's it's the same as i always bring it back to like the analogy of basketball right like just because like you you see how lebron plays and you know that he's a basketball player and you know everyone knows the rules of basketball it doesn't mean that you're going to be the best player in the world or another example could be let's say elon musk right like with tesla like 
how many competitors does he, does he have with you know electric cars? But mm. and he's always been open with what his plans are. He you know he he released his ten year plan like ages ago, detailing like how he was going to launch Tesla. You know he wasn't scared that people were going to copy him. Like he actually invited people to copy him because you know if the, there's more people that are kind of knowing the journey that you're on, and if there's more people that you attract. That's how he was able to build such a great brand in Tesla. And that's how he has like, you know, people were like religiously follow him. And I think that's what you need to do. I think people shouldn't be scared of of holding their ideas to themselves and, and keeping a secret. Like just tell the world, like, you know, like we said before, like when we first started, we told everyone, hey, we're going to do this. And we had a wait list. And that's how we got our first like 2,500 people who were interested in our brand, right? So it's all about telling people. It's all about launching yourself out there. And if people copy you, like whatever, like, you know, most of them, end up not not doing as well because they just don't have the same kind of ideas or the same execution as you right or not even that like the same passion yeah and i'm um, just your flavor to what you're bringing to the table because yeah. everyone has the same idea but i think they're all looking at it from different perspectives as well yeah. so yeah yeah you might be looking at front on someone might not be you know they might just see it as you know just an opportunity to make money and who's who's going to win at the end obviously the person with more passion and love yeah, and like you can you can look at any industry, right? You can look at like gaming, right? Like everyone knows how to play League of Legends, right? But there's only a couple of good teams because just because you know how to play the game doesn't mean that you're going to be the best, right? Mm. Or you look at like, let's say hip hop, right? You know, people like Drake is always like at the top because he has a different flavor and anyone could you know, be a rapper, but it takes a, a different level of dedication to get there. That's what I think you need. And I think it's always good to share your ideas. And like even with your podcast, right? Like it's great that you're you know, telling people about it. It's great that you're inviting different guests and that's how you're going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. So can you guys imagine yourself as a, a teacher or a lawyer now? Mm, oh. No, I, I, I really can't imagine myself marking all the time. Well, I, yeah, just kind of running a classroom and stuff. Probably not. Yeah, I think I, I I don't think people will take me seriously as a lawyer. I'm just too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No. Then picture yourself like you know getting all ace attorney and stuff. Nah, nah, not at all, not at all. <laughs> I don't think I'm. I I just I'm just not smart enough for that to be honest. Oh man, do you guys have any funny stories that might have happened starting this business? Yeah, I, I used to camp outside for shoes just to learn more about the um, behaviors of our um sellers and buyers as well so i've done this just just twice like i've slept outside george street for overnight and i'm um, just to wait for a pair of yeezys oh but you're buying something yeah yeah so i was buying a pair of, i was lining up for a, um, a pair of yeezy hyperspace yeah and i slept on george street this was when the trams went up so in the middle of the night you just see rats scurrying around and then slowly it starts pouring and raining sideways yeah, another time I lined up in front of Ikea overnight as well. So I sat in the same spot for 10 hours in the cold. Did not get up once because I didn't want to lose my spot. And it wasn't, it wasn't even for a pair of shoes. Wait, it, what are you doing at Ikea? That's it, not even a shoe It was an Ikea and Off-White collab. So I lined up for a bag and then um, the next day I saw people were selling it for $25 more. I'm like, really? I wasted my whole night. How much were they? So um, I think the uh, retail value one was $17 and one was 20 and then people were just selling it for $50. So I was just crying, but it was funny. Like, um, less you know, than minimum wage. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Justin always kind of um, gives me crap for doing that, but I enjoy doing like just weird things that are just out of the ordinary, something I wouldn't do day to day. Like I'm all for that stuff. Yeah. 
I mean, one time we rented a car to pick up like 150 pairs, like in the middle of the night. We drive to people's houses when we first started to pick up all their shoes. But it had to be like within a certain radius of Sydney, I'm guessing. No, no radius. Oh, it's what was the furthest? We went all the way to like Badgeries Creek. Yeah. Where the hell was that? Like the second airport where they're building it? Yeah. Oh, well, it's not... Yeah, well, um, because we were based in Surrey Hills in the beginning, so it was probably like, probably out an hour and a bit drive. Oh, yeah. So it's like out west of the city from Sydney, maybe like an hour-ish, yeah. Yeah, over an hour. But like, I think the stuff we used to do, like, just because we wanted to see like what worked, what made people happy and just, just to kind of get to know and sit with our customers. Like, that's one thing that I love because I look after all the um, customer experience. I look after buyers and sellers. I just love to sit there and listen to why and how they got here. And it's like just how their minds work. How yeah, happens. how they're wired. Because like, you know, we pretty much are here to serve these people. So like to serve all the sneakerheads of people lining up. So I'm like, look, I want to learn about you. Like I want to know where you, what you do for fun. I want to know why you're here. Like I just love to know about them. And I think... That's why I decided to do teaching as well in the beginning because I'm just genuinely interested in people and how they're wired. So, yeah, that's why we do all sorts of weird things. That's a really big step beyond customer service, just really figuring them out how they yeah, work. Yeah, I think it's so important. Like, if you're running a business, you really need to understand your customers to the nitty-gritty and all the way down to exactly what they eat, what they watch, everything they do. Hell, you need to understand why they do things, right? Yeah, you need to learn these behaviors, and I think it's so and important. And what they value, like, yeah. you know, why why is it that they they like your sneakers so much? Why is it that they come to you, right? What is it that they like about you? Yeah. And what what is it about your business that makes them be drawn to you, right, compared to, like, other other places? Yeah. And I think it's, it's yeah, we we provide a great service. Yeah, we're, you know, one of the best. But it, it's also about the brand and also about what the brand stands for. That, that I think people resonate with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's so, like I said, I can't emphasize enough, no matter what you're doing, if you want to build a rocket to space, you need to know why your customers want to go there. <laughs> For our listeners, where can we find your socials? So check us out at Pushesgram on Instagram. Um, so P-U-S-H-A-S-G-R-A-M. On Facebook, you just check Pushes, P-U-S-H-A-S, and go on pushes.com for your latest sneakers um you know I, I think everyone needs a fresh pair at that price yeah at that price because you know you can't put a price on love to be honest and you know <laughs> you love your sneakers that's it <laughs> it's quite a niche mark i don't know if everyone would be would be keen on spending that that much oh it's definitely a growing niche i think growing. soon to be yeah I saw you had you know, Game of Thrones, you know, Ultra Boost out yeah. there as well. So but that was 120, not 500. So I can, uh, I can kind of justify that. that. That's that's but a gateway, but once you start there and then you start to move up, that that's how they get you. Start slow on the drugs mm-hmm. and yeah, that's how they get up. you. Yeah, that's the vodka cruiser of, of sneakers, and then you start oh, to no. get to move to the soju and the and the Hennessy and the Hennessy, and then before you know it, you're spending you know 300 dollars on on whiskey. So. <laughs> Yeah, God, let's let's not go there on the alcohol thing. <laughs> okay, thanks so much for listening, guys. If you guys have any questions for either myself or for Sandy and Justin, you can either reach them at their socials provided or you can email us at ricenmikespodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at ricenmikespodcast. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. See ya. See you guys soon. Bye.